Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. So this is part two of last week. So if you missed last Sunday, you need to go listen to it on the web because it'll help bring you into where we are because this is part two. And so I'm just talking about the book of Acts, the book of the Holy Ghost, the, the book of the presence and the person of the Holy Ghost that we need to know in this hour. For as Christians, we have to stand in this place and we have to take territory. We have to be in that place that we are subduing what God told us to subdue, that we are taking what God said we can have. Just like the children of Israel did when God told them to go in and possess the land, they went into territories, and there were tribes for every territory, and they had, God had designated land for them to take, designated things for them to do in that land, to possess that land and keep the enemy out. That was their job when they went in. And so as of today, you and I are the, ch- are the church, and the church has specific things that each church is supposed to do to take the territory that God has given. So in Acts, in the book of Acts, we know we went over last week, the book of Acts and chapter 2, that the Holy Ghost came, just like Jesus said that the Holy Ghost would come, and he came with fire to touch his people, to raise them up and make a difference. He didn't just touch the apostles. There were 120 in that room when the Holy Ghost fell, and there were his... Jesus' mother was there, his brothers were there, other people were there. They were touched by the power of God to make a difference. So in this hour, the church of the living God needs to be touched by the power of God that they can make a difference. We are not ordinary people. We are people that are filled with the Holy Ghost and filled with the power. So we're going to start with chapter 8 of Acts. This is right after the death of Stephen where he had been stoned and killed, but he went out in glory, just so you know that in Acts 7, I know I said 8, so you don't have to go to 7, but you could, it's just right before 8, I'll just give you a a math lesson here, 7 becomes before 8, in case you didn't have that revelation, and so it says in verse 59, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, this is what Stephen says while he's being stoned, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he knelt down and cried with a loud voice. I love it. Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He is getting stoned instead of being bitter, instead of being mad and upset. He says, forgive him, Lord. And you know, Saul was right there. I wonder if that prayer opened that door for Saul. To be saved. So in chapter 8 of Acts, verse 1, And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. So the church is being persecuted. I think the church today is being persecuted. So, you know, we're no different than the early church. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, 
except the apostles. So who's going out? They. We don't know who the they are, but they're going out to Judea and Samaria. God was raising the early church, getting it out of its comfort zone, getting it out of that place that they would get outside the walls and go do the work of the Lord. And so here they go into Judea and to Samaria. They go out, whoever the they are, it's like I would say, church, go out, you're the they, right? You're the they that went out. They don't have names. They did when they're living there, but they're not written in this Bible. This Bible cannot hold all the names of the Christians in that day that did the work of the Lord. But God knows who every one of them are. Amen? God knows who they are. You may not know who they are, but God knows who they are. So keep your finger in Acts 8 and look at Acts 1. And it says in verse 7, And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be a witness unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. That's us. So what are they to be? They're to, they're to be a witness. And so they, be, they are being scattered because this is the will of God. This is the plan that God had for the people, but yet they spent years just staying in Jerusalem before they went out to Judea and to Samaria. They stayed in Jerusalem where they thought it was safe and comfortable, but Jesus had commissioned them to go out to Judea, to Samaria, and to the other most parts of the world. That means they were scattered out. They were separated. They had to move out of their comfort zone. They had to move out of that area, and they had to go out, and then they were to be a witness. There's no different call on us today. We're to be a witness. We are those that we are supposed to stand for the truth. That's what a witness does. A witness, it says, that that power that they receive, that dunamis power, inherent power, that's what that is. It means an inherent power. And that is, I love the definition of inherent. Something that is stuck in something else so firmly that they cannot be separated. Okay, let's put that down to English. You got born again, baptized in the Holy Ghost. You got stuck with the power of God. Whether you feel it or not, you got it. It's sticking with you. It's not going anyplace. You can't get rid of it. You may not use it or take advantage of it, but it's in you. Because that's what Jesus said in John. He said in the book of John, he says, you know, the Spirit of God, the Comforter is coming. He, He is coming, and He's going to be with you, and He's going to be in you. He's, he's sticking to you. So then He says, you know, they were sent to be a witness. So if we don't stand for the truth, how are people going to get free? Let me just ask that question. If we stay silent in this day, how, how are people going to get free? When we are carriers 
of the presence of God, when we are carriers of the Holy Ghost, how can we be silent? When we know the truth, because the word of God is the truth. And so he gave us the power to go out and to be a witness to all the world. We are those that after all this time, we've got to understand that the they were sent. I'm trying to make this clear. They, we are the they that are being sent into all the world to let people know that you don't have to be in bondage. You don't have to. We have to open our mouths up and tell the truth. That means we cannot be silent if we're going to carry out the Great Commission. If we're going to walk in that place, then we're going to have to open our mouths up to truth. We're going to have to speak the truth in love. Okay, let's read on in Acts 8. So they're scattered abroad. In verse 2, and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. And as Saul, he made havoc of the church entering into every house and hailing men and women committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere. Now, what did they do? Preaching what? Preaching the word. What is the word? The truth, the Bible. You know, sometimes we look at that and we think, what did they do? We just think they talked about healing. What did Jesus teach? The disciples and those that were growing up and becoming disciples were teaching the truth. They were preaching the word of God. And then signs, wonders, and miracles happened. Then things took place. Amen? Then it says in verse 5, Now, here's one of the days, Philip, one of the ones that was serving tables. Now, Luke has written the book of Acts, and it's over maybe 60 or 70 years of uh, different people doing different things. And he highlights different people. And he's going to highlight Philip here. But I want you to understand that they, that them, are out there preaching the word. That means it doesn't matter if you were called in the five-fold ministry, you opened your mouth and you told the truth. You didn't leave it all up to the apostles. That was not the intent of Jesus. If it was, look, look, let me ask you this. If it was the intent of Jesus just for the apostles to preach the word, why did the Holy Ghost fall on 120? Why would they need it? Why would they need the Holy Ghost if they weren't going to be part of teaching and seeing signs and wonders? All of them got it. That's my point. And then 3,000 when Peter preached, got it. What they get? That inherent power that came to stick with them so that they could teach the word, preach the word, do signs, wonders, and miracles. This is the church. But the body of Christ doesn't know who they are. And then it says, okay, 
So verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spoke. Hearing, so they were hearing what? The word and seeing the miracles. So they heard the word and they saw the miracles. What was happening? They were listening. They were taking hold and having a revelation that they were deceived in living in sin. Something spoke to them and said, you're not thinking right. You're in bondage, but I've got the message that can set you free. That's good news. Now, that's good news. So they preached the word. They preached what the original uh, apostles preached, what the 70 preached, and most of all, what Jesus preached. And, you know, so many people try to hide who Jesus really was and put this gentle Jesus that wouldn't offend anybody. That's not the Jesus I know. He's not ashamed of who he is. And so, look what it says in verse 7. So they're hearing and seeing. And then it says, For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame and were healed. Okay. What does it say? What is coming out of them? What does that say? Unclean spirits. What are unclean spirits? Morally in sin. Morally not thinking right. That means they don't have a moral lifestyle. That's unclean. So what were they hearing? How come... They repented and got free is because they heard the truth. They heard, ah, we've been living in sin. This is a wrong lifestyle. Oh, you mean that sleeping with another woman that is not my wife is okay? Sleeping with somebody before marriage is okay? These are unclean spirits. And they had to repent. But what happened? What happens when you get free from something? What happens when a person no longer has an unclean spirit? Look at verse 8. And there was great joy in the city. There was joy because people were getting free. Because people were hearing the truth. The people were hearing they don't have to be in that place in bondage any longer. There's a freedom when you know the truth. It's the truth is to set you free. It's to get you out of that bondage. It's to get you out of that place that puts you down. It's the wrong satisfaction to the soul. It's a lie from the pit of hell that keeps people in bondage. God called us to preach the truth. And we'd rather not live in the truth 
too many Christians don't want to live in truth. I'm telling you the truth because I love you. And I know there's joy that can come to a city when they get out of bondage. When that unclean spirit left them, their life changed. Their life was no longer without joy. What the world had could no longer satisfy them. And that's awesome. You know, not everybody likes to hear this. But we have to hear the truth. We cannot compromise our stand. If we want to see signs and wonders and miracles, we got to help people. We got to help them get to the other side. It's not a condemnation message. God's not mad at you. God's not, he's trying to get you free. That's what he's trying to do. That his, the very heart of God is to free people so they don't have to be bound by alcohol. They don't have to be bound by sex addiction. They don't have to be bound by wokeism. They don't have to be bound. That's what's being preached because that's what they were in. And when people started getting free, joy, joy, joy came, joy Something happened on the inside of them. You know, Romans 14, 7 says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. What does that mean? It, it has to be righteousness first. What is righteousness? Purity, moral character, a person of your word, somebody that stands up for what's right. You know, it, it means you've got more, uh, morality in your heart. And it says when you're walking in justice and you're walking in righteousness, then comes the peace. How many people in the world are looking for peace? Peace in their soul, peace in their mind. And when you do what's right, then you get peace. Then what happens? Joy. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy in the freedom, in God, into that place that you're no longer bound. The world thinks if they have to give up everything, if they have to give up their drugs and if they have to give up their drinking and if they have to give up sex and they have to give up this, then why would they want to be a Christian? Man, you get everything when you're a Christian. You sleep in the right bed. You do what's right. You, when, when you do what's right, your conscience isn't going to bother you. You're free. And you're free to enjoy life. Because Jesus said, I have come to give you life. What is life? It's freedom. It's peace. It's joy in the Holy Ghost. It's moving with God. It's having fun with Jesus. Man, I'm telling you, I am a free woman. I lived bound for many years. I lived bound, and you all don't need to know what all I lived bound in. And it wasn't pretty. But I'm telling you, I am not bound anymore. I, I am not bound anymore. 
I came out of that, and I'm telling you, when I came out, I thought, whoa, this is good. I found peace like a river. I found joy unspeakable and full of glory. I found things that life was good, and I didn't want to go back. And that was 41 years ago, and I haven't gone back. I have no plan on it. I'm going to preach the truth and love. I'm going to help people get free because I want them to have the freedom that I have. Because I have true freedom. And I don't have to get pot. Thank God. I don't have to get drugs. You know, I don't have to go in and out of rehab. I got free one time. Then I never, never, never went back. That's true freedom. Amen. And people say, well, you don't know. Yeah, I do know. I have walked the old walk. Wish I hadn't, but I did. But I have no condemnation. I have freedom. Hallelujah. I don't know where all that came from, but praise God. Verse 12. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God. So what was he preaching? He was preaching the kingdom of God. That's what he preached. What is the kingdom of God? What is it? What is the kingdom of God? What did they preach? Well, let's find out what they preached. So let's look at Luke chapter 9. Verse, we'll, we'll read one and then go to two. Then he called his 12 disciples together, this is Jesus, and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. So two things, over the devil and over sickness. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Okay, so we, he sent them to preach the kingdom. The New Testament was not written. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were not written. The only thing that was written was the Old Covenant. That's all that was written. So what's he preaching? He's preaching the truth, the Word of God. So when you look at that, he's, he said to his disciples in another place, he said, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what's he saying? What are we preaching? The kingdom of God, heaven on earth. Is there wokeism in heaven? No. Is there sickness in heaven? No. He said, it's not that we don't love somebody in that lifestyle, but our job is to tell them the truth. That's, what, that's the kingdom come. That's the will of God be done. It's Old Testament he's bringing into them, which is also New Testament. So the Old Testament did not permit the lifestyle that was going on. And God spoke about it. Jesus spoke about it. So let's, let's look at how, what Jesus taught. Let's go to Matthew. And we call this uh, Sermon on the Mount. 
And I just want you to look at a couple of things here. This is what Jesus preached. So if Jesus preached this, what do you think the disciples preached? The same thing, right? What did they sit under for three and a half years? They sat under the word. They knew the old covenant. So they listened and preached what Jesus preached, the kingdom of God. They said the kingdom of God has come. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, if you'll take this message and not try to discern it and set it apart, it'll change your thinking. And that's what God wants us to do. So let's go to um, Matthew 7. This is just something he said. Verse 13. Enter you into a straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way, that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. So he said, straight is the gate. Broad, wide, is the one that leads to destruction. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. So few find real life. And I'm preaching real life to you. I'm preaching to you how you can be free, live free, have a glorious life, walk around in peace, walk around in joy, and, and just enjoy people, enjoy God by taking hold. So he's telling us, he is not saying live any way you want and you're going to heaven. He says narrow. But once you find it, this is kind of how I see it. There, there is a narrow way. But once you are in that narrow way, it just widens and fills with the glory and the presence of God and such freedom and victory that you've never experienced before. It looks like in the natural, wide is the gate. Broad, because why? Because most people are going that way. Because they don't get the truth. Because the church isn't preaching the truth. Because it might hurt somebody's feelings. Jesus loved people, but he was not there to make them feel good. He was there to do what? Set them free. That's what he came for. He said, it's the devil. It's that lifestyle that bounds you. That's why it's so broad. That's where you hear Hollywood say what they say. That's why you hear Oprah Winfrey and many people say, there is more than one way to heaven. But Jesus said, I'm the way. And you're going to do it my way. Right? We're his kids. We're to do it his way. Whether we understand it or not, he's setting us free. He's giving us true freedom. A freedom and a liberty to live life and a good life. What did he promise the children of Israel? I'm taking you into a good land, and I'm giving you a good life. If you'll stay out of sin, if you'll stay out 
uh, pagans, if you'll stay out of Babylon, you'll stay out of the world, if you'll keep them out, you're going to have a good life. So what does that mean for us today as the church? We just are going after God, just changing our heart and our life. We're going to be effective. But we are going to live in peace. Now, peace is better than torment. Aaron, is peace better than torment? <laughs> that, that young man got free. It's better to be free, isn't it? <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm not here to embarrass you, but he got free. He, he knows what I'm talking about. You know, Aaron and I, we know. Now, sweet heaven, his sweet wife. She doesn't know. She lived a pure life. Amen. I'd rather have that testimony than my testimony. I'm thankful that I'm free. Thankful I got there. But now I look at her and I think, beautiful innocence. She didn't have to find out that stuff. I'm, I'm just trying to tell you. Let's just read down on 17. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Which, what do you want to bring forth? I want to I have good fruit in my life. Th therefore, I'm going to go the narrow way. I'm going to go the opposite way that the world is going. You know, and sometimes, you know, if you'll understand, when you go God's way, it's a free-flowing river. When you go the world's way, you're going upstream. And that's why the battle is so hard. That's why there's so much torment. That's why there's things that, that you have to fight. Yes, I'm not saying we're just like, we don't have problems. But we can have peace in the problems. And this is what we've got to show the world. This is what they've got to see is that in the midst of the storm, we got peace. Why? Because our house is built on the solid rock. We're in that place that we know the word works, and we know we have victory. Amen? So let's look at Matthew 11. What happens? No, not Matthew 11. Acts 11. My whole heart's desire is for every one of us to be free and experience true freedom. Not a false freedom, a true freedom. A freedom where you have no boundaries. God's unlimited, but we are bound. And he wants us free. He wants us out of an addictive lifestyle. Of whatever it may be. Into a heart that says, when we say, I surrender all. It doesn't mean I surrender what I want to surrender and I hold on to what I want to hold on to. It means letting go, trusting God that he's going to bring you out. 
Amen. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, this is really a good message. And I know it's the heart of God. And I tell you, I spent much time yesterday in prayer, seeking the Lord for what he would have me bring. Because I wanted to bring what the Lord had to help us to get free. I tell you, that's the love of God. The love of God tells the truth. That's why when you can tell somebody how much you love them and how much God loves them, and you can get an unclean spirit out of them, that's real love. But when we allow and we're not, we're afraid to say something, that means we're not really walking in love. I don't love you enough to tell you the truth. But the church that told the truth had joy. A city was changed. Samaria was changed because they heard the truth. So, in Acts 11, they've been scattered. Let's start with verse 19. Now, they, whoever the they are, we're back to the they, whoever the they are, which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen, this is years later, okay, traveled as far, and they name all these towns, preaching the word. What were they doing? Preaching the word. They, whoever the they were, you and I preaching the word, preaching the truth to people. And some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching, preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't back off. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and, a, and a, just one or two people. Oh, that's not what it says? What's it say? A great number. What did they hear? They heard the truth. They heard the word. They heard it. They heard that Jesus would set them free. They heard that, you know, you don't have to live that way anymore. You can be free in Jesus. There is a better way. That's what was being preached. The truth was being preached. And it says, because of that, the hand of the Lord was upon them. You want the hand of the Lord upon you? Preach the truth. I mean, I've got to tell the truth. I've got to tell people there is a better way. They got to know. We've got a city here, as liberal, as liberal as can be, and they want to make it a sanctuary city so that they can do on children, so they can do in this city, cut their body parts off. This is our city. They're going to vote on it. When is it? The 19th? Our city council are, are standing and they're voting 
contrary to what I believe. Where's our voice? Where's our outrage? I think we shouldn't be silent. We shouldn't be ashamed. They want to shame us. They want to say we're not being merciful. We are the ones that are full of mercy. We're the ones trying to protect children. You're an adult and you want to do that? I mean, it doesn't make sense to me, but these children, they don't know. They have no clue. I don't know when a counselor says, you want to be a little girl? You can. Oh, okay, what are they going to do? How do they know to defend themselves? Let's be real about this. How do those kids know how to defend themselves? They don't know. They have no idea what that means. And we want to give this city a place for children to come to get their parts removed. I don't know how else to say that. I don't know how else to be nice about it. There's nothing nice about it. And our city... And we're going to stand for it. What changed the city of Antioch? Truth. Truth filled that city. I read in the Passion Bible, and I thought it was so good. And I'm just going to read out of it. Talking about this city that was once full of corruption. And it says, Antioch was important from both a commercial and a military point of view. It was the seat of the Roman governor general. You know it's a corrupt city. With large garrisons and military supplies stored there. It was also a center of art and culture. You know it was an ungodly city. You know that known for its beauty and recognized as the capital of the Sumerian kingdom. The church prospered greatly in Antioch and it became a Christian hub and headquarters for the apostles. For many centuries in church history, Antioch remained a strong witness for evangelism sending missionaries into Persia and throughout the Roman Empire. A liberal city turned because people got the truth. In the early days of the church, every believer was a missionary. Hello. There was a great cost involved with following Christ. They laid their lives down to serve him and to make known among the nations, not just the apostles, but all, but all, but all of the believers did their part in spreading teachings of Jesus wherever they went. Where does that leave us? What changes a city is the truth. What changes a city 
is when the word of God goes and frees people out of bondage. Parents of these children need to get free so that their children can be free. I know this is a strong message. And I, I also know I'm sitting here in an audience of Democrats and Republicans. But I am telling you right now, this is not a Democrat or Republican. This is the biblical principles of what we must stand for. This is what Jesus preached. This is what the apostles preached. This is what the disciples preached. This is what they heard when they went from city to city. They went there to transform cities, transform lives, make a difference in the culture. That's what they did. That's why the gospel went out. That's why Jesus said, you got to take the gospel, you got to take the truth to Judea, to Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. There have got to be a people that rise up in this hour and in this day that stand for truth and will not compromise, will not take a political party, but will take a biblical stand, and they will vote for what's right, and they'll stand against the wiles of the enemy because we are in a place that heaven is coming down. And when heaven is coming down it is eliminating things in the evil world where where the devil has had a kingdom established but God's heaven he said you pray thy kingdom come thy will be done so that heaven comes down and when heaven starts coming down I'm telling you the demon activity gets going and it starts affecting things and if we don't rise to the occasion and take our place as a, as a church of a living God that believes what we stand for if we don't take a place and rise up and say no we are not having this no you can cannot have this in our city. You are not taking over. We declare in the name of Jesus, we're rising up. We've got to put our political differences behind and stand for what the Bible says. What is truth? What is truth? What is truth to you? Every one of us have a responsibility that we do not have our own truth. The only truth we have is the Word of God. And everything outside of the Bible is a lie. Hallelujah. I get passionate when it comes to truth. When you have literally seen demons cast out, you don't question if this gospel is true or not. I have, I'll never in my whole life forget. Pastor, we'd already started the church, and it was back when I was flying back and forth. And I did a singles meeting every Saturday night when I got home. And these men came, and they heard the truth. And this guy comes up to me, this big guy comes up to me, and he wants to get free. And the Spirit of God was moving one way, and I, I said, I'll get you at the end of the service. So I took two of my guys, and we went into my office, and I took the name of Jesus, standing before this guy. I started speaking the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, 
that devil manifested. And it went at me. And I said, in the name of Jesus, you go now. That thing left him, and he just melted. He got set free. And he came in the office the next day. He said, here's my friend. Get him free. Get him free. I was bound, but now I'm free. Get him free. That's what's being preached in Antioch and all of those cities in Judea and Samaria and around the world. There's freedom in Jesus. There's freedom in the truth of the Word of God. You don't have to be bound no more. Good English. That's the way the song goes. Lord Jesus, help us. We need help to be free. We need help. So that our children don't have to go through. We don't want them to wake up after they're five years old and had that. And uh, they're 12 years old and realize, I've been lied to. I mean, there, there's people now being de. What was that word? Detransitioned. That was the word I wanted. Because they were lied to. They were lied to. Their parents or their school counselor, and they kept it from the parents. Somebody in New York City fighting this right now where their son is concerned. He didn't know anything about it. The mother gave permission. And they have taken his little mind. A little five-year-old. Five. Doesn't know. Doesn't understand. And yet the school counselor says, you want to be a little girl? I'm going to show you how to be a little girl. I am going to chart changing your thinking. And they begin to work. And they begin to work. They're telling lies. And we're afraid to tell the truth. We're afraid to tell the truth because we might offend bless the Lord let's protect ourselves because they might not like us we are not here to win a popularity contest that is not our job our job is to be truth tellers and tell them that there is a better way to tell them the truth. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's Word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, Remember, you are God's best.